Welcome back to another episode of the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Austin, it has been a little bit, but it's finally good to have you back on uh, for another NFL episode. Oh, yeah. Great to be back. All right. Well, Austin, it has been uh, an action-packed week of NFL action ever since Thanksgiving, moving on to last weekend's bit of games here. We're heading into a pretty crucial uh, week uh, 12, or pardon me, week 13 here in the NFL. But we're going to focus first on week 12 with last week's games. I think we could start off probably with Thanksgiving with the one of the best games of all time, probably for Thanksgiving. Definitely one of the most uh, highly rated games to ever be watched on Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Oakland Raiders. Or I guess LA, where are they, Oakland Raiders? I keep oh, I, the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas. I, I, I'm they still, change all the time. I, I keep forgetting. Oh, that's how maybe irrelevant Oakland was probably back then. But regardless, sure. a crucial game there both for Dallas and for Las Vegas, an all-time classic that went to overtime. Big takeaways from that game. That's probably the headline for today's episode. Uh, big takeaway from that game for me is it's the same kind of takeaway that you're going to get out of a lot of these games where we're at that point in the season where uh, injuries start to stack up. There's definitely fatigue. We see like why depth matters, why conditioning matters, and which teams are actually for real. Because let's face it, at the start of the season, people are talking about Dallas as Super Bowl favorites. Everybody loved Dallas, as they do most years. But, of course, all it takes is Dak missing a couple of weeks. And then this game specifically with both Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb out, you know, their backups did not really come to play as much as uh, Vegas did as a team. I feel like they played much more as a cohesive unit, and that definitely showed in the later stretch. Anytime an NFL game goes to overtime, because let's face it, they're all professionals and they're all amazing at what they do. It's a war of attrition. It comes down to more often than not, just who wants it more. And I thought that was a phenomenal way to celebrate Thanksgiving with such a great back and forth game and, you know, to put up that war of attrition. Well, to, to add on to that, it definitely saved Thanksgiving because the Bears-Lions, like, dumpster fire game where it's like, can the Lions squeak out this win and will Nagy be fired uh, after this game, even if he wins the game, was, the, like, the two narratives. That was pretty crap. And then the Bills blew out, uh, had a clear win in their game, so they kind of were coasting on that. The big narrative from this game that stands out to me, you make an excellent point. Fatigue is finally hitting a lot of these teams. The injury bug is definitely uh, – plaguing a lot of these rosters my yeah. favorite thing that has aged well or I guess aged horribly this year is this whole notion of adding a week 18 and thinking that it'll be good because the downside to that is that it's like holy shit we still have like seven more weeks of football six more weeks of football before the playoffs and dear god all these rosters are horrible like we'll get into it but like Matthew Stafford on the Rams looks like horrible Odell or not Odell uh Baker Mayfield in Cleveland like some of these QBs oh, just yeah. absolutely he's awful. been playing hurt all year and I, I saw it a little bit with Dak Prescott, like just a tad where it's like, dude, like they they don't look 100%. And it's it's clearly affecting all these guys. Yeah, honestly, I, ne- I didn't really understand the addition of the 17th game, considering that they didn't add a second bye week, which was a big topic of conversation. Should they add a 17th game? And at the same time, the way that the NFL scheduling worked, it was a perfect rotation where you played each team a proportionate amount based on whether they were in your division, in your conference, or just any other team not in your area. So the way that the 17th game was added, they're not doing like a cross-conference rivalry game like I suggested that they should do like, oh, your 17th game if you're a New York Giants fan. You should play the Patriots every year and just make that like a cross-conference rivalry. Hey, it'd be like, no it'd be like college football where you have like those same like matchups over like Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, UM, like different things like that. Of course, yeah, especially with those in college football that are cross-conference like Florida State and Michigan. But the problem that I see with the 17th game is there doesn't seem to be much of a rhyme or reason to who gets picked for that 17th game. Some are cross-conference, some are in the same conference but cross-division. and they haven't laid out a plan for how they're going to do this, say, 10 years from now, so that way you're not playing a random team in, in proportionate amount. Yeah, it's a big narrative to watch out for, and it's something that we covered, you know, months ago before the NFL started. My other big concern was it just throws a wrench into a lot of these plans. Like, for instance, if you're a team like, I don't know, like, let's say you're the Vikings, you're five and six right now, or you're a team like, I guess, toward, like, the middle of the pack here, this extra game just – it, it makes it weird because if you – I don't know. It's hard to explain where, like, if you're a team, at a certain point, it just gives you an extra week where you think you're going to be good, but you're not really good. Like, for instance, the Dolphins right now, like, being four and seven, and, like, they're on this cool win streak. That extra week is going to make it think, holy crap, we might be able to go nine and eight and have a playoff chance. Where, in reality, they're not going to make the playoffs at all. And, in fact, they're going to screw themselves no. over 
if they had a draw. You know what I mean? Like that you play that game. I think the other problem I have, and it's the big one, of course, is the uh it is the lack of that second buy. It's like the, the, some of these teams could really use that buy, like particularly like right now. Like if you're a team I can't like, think of a team that couldn't use it. It's yeah, like I there's mean, no team that's just not always bad. But something about this year, and I think it may be because uh, injuries are more offensive this year, and I'm an avid fantasy football player, so to me it probably seems like a much higher proportion of players getting injured. But it does seem to be like something about this season, it's already the wear and tear is starting to get to them. And it might be mental where in the back of their minds they know they're playing a 17th game. One more thing on this game that I think stands out to me is the Dallas Cowboys narrative that they're Super Bowl favorites. I think I'm high personally on Dallas compared to like the average person, but I'm looking at it right now. If you look at the broader, at least for this week, the broader uh, NFC top of the division, Arizona, uh, Tampa Bay, and the LA Rams all play easy games. Dallas is only seven and four. Like at some point, if they lose, like let's say this week, you know, tonight's game uh, against the Saints, they could be already in like that six, seven seat kind of on the outside looking in here. It's concerning if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, because they start off high, you know, Prescott's in the MVP conversation, but it's like, Hey, if they have like another two week stretch where they're kind of like, not good, they can easily just be out of the playoff picture. And, you know, the Eagles and giants, I mean, as, and Washington football team, they're not terribly far off. Like that division isn't the easiest because all those teams are horrible, but they're somehow competitive. So that's a pretty big division there and a pretty big scare for Dallas. Yeah, uh, my biggest issues with Dallas, I mean, I do see them making the playoffs, and they could definitely make a deep playoff run. But, I mean, the first thing, just like almost every other team, they have to get healthy, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But more specifically, I don't see much consistency with this Cowboys team. I feel like every week we're watching a slightly different team. Like, let's just look at last week, for example. It's a defensive shootout, which Dallas has not been known for recently, against a relatively underwhelming Chiefs defense where they couldn't put up much. I think they put up nine points in that entire game. And then they played the next week against the Raiders, a team that everybody touts as being a defense on the rise, and they're in a 36-33 shootout. And if we're going to have that game specifically, I mean, Dak had over 350 yards passing. I don't think they got 100 yards on the ground. There are also other games where – Zeke will, you know, put up a modest amount of yards and then Tony Pollard will explode and then Tony Pollard doesn't see the field next week. There doesn't seem to be like a week to week steady like Dallas Cowboys team. You know, it, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. Well, to bounce off that, here is their schedule ever since they beat the Patriots and it's right before like New England kind of like caught fire. It's that OT went against New England. They barely beat a Vikings team that's basically been a 500 team all year with Kirk Cousins. So it's not like the line of the world on fire. Yeah. They lose to the Broncos by 14. It's like you lost to like Teddy Bridgewater in Denver and you're at home. Like that's pretty scary. That was a very interesting game. Yeah. That's like a holy shit game. They beat mm-hmm. Atlanta by 40 points. It's Atlanta. Like, no, no, you're supposed to beat that team. And then you mentioned it. There's this Chiefs game where, you know, Kansas City has a, a decent defense, but they're not great. And they only score nine points. And then this Raiders game where now it's back-to-back losses. I'm looking at their schedule right now. And they play some tough teams. Like the Cardinals on the road, or excuse me, at home, is going to be still a tough game in week six, uh, 17. Playing sure. the Saints tonight is going to be a tough game on the road. Even playing the Washington football team twice. Like Washington has a competitive game uh, team. And they know the Dallas scheme more than anybody in that division. So that's a tough, like, four-game stretch right there where – you could see a lot of upside, a lot of downside with this roster. We'll move on from Dallas because I we don't want to spend too much time on them, but they're one of the, yeah. they're, they're one of the more important teams I want to cover, and they don't need more media attention. Uh, another big game I, I want to focus on, I think it was a pretty important game that uh, kind of got overlooked by the Browns, Ravens, Seahawks, Washington back-to-back slugfest, but the Buccaneers being the Colts. There was a little scare there with, you know, the Bucs being a little on the downside. They're not really dominating their games. Tampa Bay's find their groove, and I think they're at least a clear top two, three favorite to come out of the NFC for sure. Oh, of course. I mean, a lot of people had Bucks, you know, winning the Super Bowl again at the start of the season. Not much has changed. Uh, to me, the more interesting aspect was the other team in this game was Indy yes. really establishing themselves in a division where, you know, we knew Tennessee would run away with it, provided Derrick Henry stays healthy, which he didn't. But And then even people talking about they thought Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence would catch fire year one for some reason that I still don't understand because that was never going to add on that real quick. You know, your franchise is dysfunctional when 
your current coach is getting rumored to go back to college after he flamed out in his current NFL team. That's all. That's all I'm going to get on the well, record. Sure, he never seemed to have the drive to be an NFL coach. After week <laughs> one, when you're talking about wanting to resign, that's a horrible sign. But anyway, back back to Indy. This was uh, John. I'm going to stamp this as Jonathan Taylor's official breakout game to the casual audience. There's definitely people who knew that he was like a really legit top five back, especially if you're playing fantasy football, because he's been a god putting up those points. But to your just casual NFL fan who wanted to tune in to a nice Sunday game, what they saw was, you know, a decent running back string together great run after great run, great performance after great performance. He's established himself as a at least a top three back, if not, you know, contender for best running back in the league right now. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is legit, and that's that was desperately needed for a Colts team that's always been a little more run heavy. But especially when you have Carson Wentz at the helm and not much to speak about at receiver outside of Michael Pittman, you know, they needed to really rely on the run game. And that's what they did. They kept it close yeah. with these Super Bowl champions. Phenomenally impressive. Well, the other thing, too, about this Colts uh, team is they have a very weird season so far. They're only six and six, but people forget that they got very unlucky with their schedule. Like they play the Seahawks week one when they have a fully healthy roster and they get absolutely torched. They only lose the Rams in week by three points, which is pretty good because that was a really good, healthy Rams team before the injuries. They lose to the Titans twice by a combined score of 12 points, and one of those games went to overtime. They yeah. lose to Baltimore in overtime, and then from there, they've kind of caught fire and have won, like, four of their last five, including against, like, a couple good teams here. So they're finding their groove, and they're one of my favorites, personally, in the AFC, like, shit show between, like, the five seed and, like, the 11 seed, where I think they have the defense. I think Jonathan Taylor, it shows in the value you're mentioning, given that if Carson Wentz is your starting QB and yet they're still you're scoring 31 points against a good Bucks team, I think that's a good uh, sign for the future there. And most importantly, they're in a very easy division. They're not going to be playing, you know, they, they still got a game against the Jaguars that you can knock as an easy win. They get the Texans one more time, especially the, uh, this coming week. So they have a fair shot here to go, you know, 10 and seven and kind of sneak their way into the playoffs. Right? It is a very, very uh, probable possibility here. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with, and it's unfortunate to talk about because of the leaps and bounds that the Colts have made as a team, but I think a lot of that does have to do with the Titans because they are one of the more one-dimensional teams in the league, and they have been for the past couple of years, with good reason when you have Derrick Henry on your roster. But with him going down, they have absolutely looked you know, lost, and they will continue to be that way for a bit until he's slated to come back around early January you know, right in time for them to make a playoff push. But that playoff push might not be for the division crown if Indy really catches fire and finds their groove. Because I think these first couple of games that you were mentioning, these close losses for Indy, those are one really team-building games where they're establishing their identity. And I think now that they've started to find that, they're going to be one of those late-season teams that we talk about. Because there's always teams that start off hot and fizzle out. But there's also teams that, start out slow, take some unfortunate losses, but catch fire right at the end. And well, I think Indy's the latter. How about last year's Bucks team that was a 500 team and then they had that horrible loss and then just go nuclear and win for three straight months football? Like, this, it or, could happen with Indiana. It's, it's not yeah. surprising. And one more thing, too, because that's the other game that I think is pretty notable is this Titans-Patriots game because it fits a lot of the AFC playoff picture that we're discussing where, number one, uh, Damn, the Patriots, they're on fire. I never saw this coming whatsoever where they'd be arguably the number one best team in the AFC because I'm uh, Baltimore as a one seed is definitely a, a big red flag for me, but they've been so damn good. Tennessee still being this decent. The one thing I've noticed with this year, especially in the AFC, is that the division crown matters this year more than ever because if you're not a division winner, you're kind of on the outside looking in here, especially with all of these teams. You know, if I'm looking at the playoff picture now, it's, you know, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, Colts, Browns, Steelers that are all between, you know, 500 and like one yeah. game above 500. Like that is a lot of teams right there where at this point you might as well throw a quarter and kind of see if it's heads or tails and see where that coin will land. Yeah, I think as far as uh, needing to win the division this year more than ever, uh, you know, the fact that fans are back for the first time since the last season 
home field advantage is real. It always has been, but it definitely is this year as fans are more amped. And I think we're going to see that in the playoffs where, you know, we're going to be getting some fully packed stadiums and you're going to, you're going to want it to be your fans in your stadium when the lights are on in the NFL playoffs. But as far as the Patriots go, yeah, they've been phenomenally impressive, but I really haven't been that shocked. I mean, I picked Mac Jones as my offensive rookie of the year at the start of the season. And that's not looking too crazy now, though, is it? But I think a lot of that has to do with them having one of the greatest coaches of all time. I mean, Belichick is a team builder at the end of the day. He knows, you know, how to fit, he plays chess out there. He knows how to fit the right pieces where. So I'm never counting out the Patriots as long as he's in that head coaching position. Well, and one more thing with the Patriots that's definitely uh, aged pretty well, but all those signings they have of those veterans from this past offseason to like contracts yes. at the Especially time. Especially Matt Judon. He's been on yeah. fire. Like one of the best defensive players in the league right now. Yeah, some of those some of those contracts when they were signed, I was like, oh God. And then they actually have all most of them have been pretty good. And I, I love how they basically said, Hey, besides Buffalo, there's not really anybody competing for this division. Who says we can't at least be 500, you know, at least outside looking in? And they've outlasted expectations by far and away. And I would make the case right now that they're the most consistent AFC team currently by far and away in that conference. Like if I'm looking down the roster, Tennessee, I don't know what the Derrick Henry thing will look like. I'm not trusting Buffalo or Kansas City until I see a couple more games, uh, especially Buffalo in particular. Baltimore, I mean, they just won a game where Lamar threw four picks and two of them were in a span of like 15 seconds. So it's like, dude, I really – if I'm yeah, looking at the top I, of the the AFC here, it's it's like New England, like who else? Yeah, I see what you mean. And while you were talking about, you know, Patriots trying to compete for 500, that, I mean, they're way above that. I mean, they're currently yeah. leading in the AFC East. Yeah, I don't see any reason why they can't take the division crown, which I know is going to kill Buffalo fans as, you know, this was supposed to be their year, you know, and like their time to start a dynasty now that Tom Brady's gone and his, you know, his impact has definitely left this team. There's not that hangover. But honestly, I currently love New England's roster. I love what they're doing. Uh, it's, you know, a team like that doesn't, it's devoid of superstars, but that doesn't mean that they don't function well as a unit. It's always a top performing defense and their offense is really catching fire with Mac Jones. Yeah. And the other thing too about this game that I think we need to emphasize is that, uh, Tennessee it looks a lot, really vulnerable. I think this is a team to watch out for because they just went from being the one seed to now they're only a game out of being in that tier two group of like the four through seven seeds. So in other words, they're, they're also uh, this one of these bubble teams where it's like, Hey, I, they don't really have a lot of upside to tell me they can go 11 and six. Like, is that, that's kind of, I think the bar for that next group. And you know, I mean, with Cincinnati Bengals, they're going to be pretty decent. Buffalo, I think will still be competitive, but out of all those teams, if I'm looking one through seven, I think Tennessee's the worst. I would make the case Tennessee's the worst of that group. Now, Tennessee has been holding on since Derrick Henry went down around yeah. like week eight or nine, I believe. But so their record looks pretty good. But like I said earlier, as a team, like they look, you know, lost. Or they have a running back committee that changes by the week. They <laughs> yeah, have seriously. AJ, AJ Brown and Julio Jones coming in and out. There's they're a team that lacks consistency right now. And that, you know, that's one of my biggest issues with any football team ever. I feel like, you know, in the way that the NFL goes, consistency is king. And until they get King Henry back, they will be lacking consistency. The other thing that was big with this week, because I'll stay in the AFC first and then move on to the NFC. The one thing that this week clarified to me is that there's a lot of teams that we were like, they're bubble, they're on the edge, they have a chance to make it in or be, you know, somewhat noisy. This week told me otherwise. So, there's a list of teams here that kind of gave me that mindset. Uh, Carolina, I know there's an NFC team, but they played the Dolphins. Carolina Panthers, yeah. for sure. Everyone was like, oh, they've got a good defense. But now CMC's out. Uh, Cam Newton was freaking awful. He was absolutely miserable. He was uh, benched. He, yeah, benched. He, you know, he was 5 of 21 with a couple turnovers. Uh, if I'm staying in the AFC, the Browns just not having that game at all against the Ravens and Baker Mayfield is – 40% of himself compared to la- uh, past years. Uh, if that, he's playing with quite a few serious injuries. And, yeah. you know, his he's been pretty vocal about that, where there doesn't seem to be much cohesion in this Browns locker room, where 
you know, those, those are things that are kind of silent killers. We always look at, you know, players as far as their intangible skills go, like, you know, oh, well, who's the fastest, who's the strongest, this is how we know who's a better team. Like, at the end, of the day, it really does come down to who plays well as a team. And after going through all this drama with Odell until they inevitably got him the hell out of there, like, they were dealing with multiple issues, like, not just Baker and his frustrations, but that's still going to be a prevalent issue. The fact that he's playing hurt, not playing well, and the fact that he's not playing well is causing a lot of rifts between people. Yeah, the uh, my favorite is on the Monday Night Football cast. Every time they could, they showed Kevin Stefanski on the sideline just shaking his head with, like, the – biggest frown in his face. That was the summary of Cleveland season so far. So the bottom line is I think this week, it was a very clarifying week, especially in the AFC of these teams where it's like, just when I thought they had hope, no, like for instance, like even like, it's why I don't want to have a set team as that last spot. Cause it's like chargers. They have Justin Herbert. He's catching fire. They lose to the Broncos by 15. Oh, you know, like the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, maybe you can get him in there. Nope. They get nuked by the Bengals. I don't know what to make of these results. And at this point, what I know is that AFC wise, we know it's this top four. It's probably like Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, and then Bills. Maybe you kind of do that. And then it's kind of, that's it. That's kind of what we're looking at AFC wise for this big playoff picture for moving down the road here. And this is why this is my favorite time in the season as well, because this is when the playoff picture just starts to become apparent to us, but there is still plenty of guesswork involved. So it's definitely a fun time where the games, while of course every game at the end of the day statistically matters the same, these upcoming games in the next few weeks are going to feel like they matter more. Yeah. And we'll get, we're going to get into those games. There's a couple crucial ones, including one tonight that I want to really talk about. Uh, So AFC, I think we got most of it covered. NFC is a pretty uh, interesting division because I've said this for the past couple of weeks with a lot of agreement where there's definitely a clear top five in the division. It's definitely Rams, Cowboys, Bucks, Packers, Cardinals. And then after that group, there's a big drop off with like the Niners, uh, you know, Washington, uh, Minnesota, Atlanta, somehow five and six. I can't freaking believe it, but they're somehow still like there. There's definitely a drop off after that succeed after that fifth seed part of me where some of those rosters are pretty and eh. I think the big game probably is the Packers Rams game that was probably the big takeaway because they only lost by eight but the Rams have lost three in a row now what have you noticed from the LA Rams the last couple of weeks that makes them concerned because I had them as a dark horse uh Super Bowl contender I've never trusted Green Bay all that much I thought they had the most all-around talent but now they lose some key offensive weapons Stafford looks a bit banged up as well uh, injury wise. And now they're kind of sitting in limbo here in like the middle of the NFC uh, kind of playoff push. Well, I mean, if you're talking about the Rams, they were never really a dark horse Super Bowl contender. They've been a top three favorite for pretty much since the day Stafford signed, since that was people's really only issue with this roster before they went out and added Von Miller and Odell. But honestly, the issue with the Rams roster that I see is uh, same. I hate to be a broken record, but this idea of cohesion, like this is, I mean, on offense, at least you can't convince me that it hasn't been the Cooper cup show. I mean, he's been phenomenal. He's putting up insane stats. He's a fantasy monster and all of these things are great. But when you have so much talent in the wide receiver room and defenses can still zero in on Cooper cup and have these other guys just not burn you, there's an issue there. They have the talent there, like they did with Robert Woods before he tore his ACL. Now they have it with Odell and Van Jefferson. But the fact that these guys, you know, never really feel like they're going to torch a defense like Cooper Cup can, despite, you know, there being that level of talent, there's there's some disconnects there on offense. And then as far as the defense is concerned, I mean, honestly, I haven't it's been bad. Ready. It's bad. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't been too impressed despite it's heavy on name value, but there's there's something there. And I can't really figure out the Rams defense, to be quite honest well, with you. Here's the thing, the narrative, it, look at their defense since October. So if you go back to October and kind of run through their schedule, they get 37 points against the Cardinals that they gave up. So yeah. these are all the points I'm giving up are I'm saying are all the ones that given yes. up on defense. 37 points to the Cardinals. Uh 19 to the Lions, which I mean, okay, 19, but still, like, it's a Lions team that had Jared Goff with, like, four, like, you know, a broken hand. Uh, 22 to a Texans team that is vying for worst team in the entire NFL. And then 28 to the Titans with no Derrick Henry. Uh, 
31 to the Niners. The Niners aren't supposed to be like, you know, this awesome team. And then 36 to the Packers. It's just these big games. Like, it's consistently bad against both good teams and bad teams. That goes to show you that it's not a good team. And they've definitely taken a step back relative to the past couple of years where the Rams defense was the reason why they were so good in the first place. Sure. And that's what I'm saying. Like, honestly, I can't, you know, I can't point a finger and go, this is why they've been struggling as, as of late. And this is why they can turn it around. And that's honestly why I see it continuing for quite a bit longer. Like I'm not, I'm not putting much money on an under in any Rams game. I'm not starting a Rams defense in fantasy. I'm sitting back and letting this develop because it's interesting to watch, you know, with a team that definitely on paper should be a top three defense in the league, but is performing, you know, it's tough for them to be top 20 team and team defensively in the league right now. So we'll see how it plays out, but I couldn't really tell you one way or the other, how I see this season ending for them. Yeah. And, and they're a team that I'm watching out for. Cause I've always been very high on them. And not only that, but, Like, if I'm looking at Arizona, I think Kyle Murray being injured is kind of a little scary. Like, just him coming back and being 100%, that gives me a little concern. Green Bay, I mean, we've seen it time and time again where they always fall short. So, it's like my my true contenders right now in terms of, like, who I think will win it or at least make it is probably Tampa Bay. And then maybe the Niners or the uh, Rams if things actually end up well. But there's a lot of question marks with these NFC teams, particularly toward the top of this uh, the uh, conference that, man, it's like picking a winner is definitely not the easiest choice. No, um, this NFC, just as a conference, uh, best way I can describe it is it's been a lot weaker than I thought it'd be. Like mm. each division has been, you know, there were serious questions. I was stoked to see how the NFC falls out. But like, I mean, if we're looking at the just looking at the NFC South, for example, looking oh my at my Saints, <laughs> where the entire offense goes down injured. So, I mean, that's their season basically ruined considering the offense was never going to be that good anyways. It's always been a defensive team as of late, which is weird to say. Uh, the Panthers lost what has consistently been the one and only good thing for them since the moment he was drafted. Uh, the Falcons are the Falcons. They will just, they're going to continue to struggle, especially with Calvin Ridley stepping away for personal reasons. So while I thought that there was a chance that the Saints or maybe even the Panthers could take a couple games away from the Bucs, make this division interesting. Tampa Bay is running away with this. They're getting a top seed in the NFC. They will be Super Bowl favorites. You know, we look at the NFC West, which was my favorite division. Well, yeah, football. real quick, how about, how, about that, how about that aging well? Was like, oh, the NFC West might have four playoff teams. Like, BS. I was stoked. I thought, I thought they were going to have three playoff teams with a fringe fourth. And obviously, I mean – Seattle, they lost their, you know, they lost Chris Carson early, which people seem to forget, but that was huge blow. And then everyone's talking about Russell Wilson, how, you know, even though Geno Smith looked like he played okay, and even now that Russell's back, it doesn't seem like he's 100% with the way that he's throwing, and that's hurting them, like, a ton. You know, this was a team that people thought could take the division. All it took for them was really two major injuries because defensively they've been okay as far as the injury front goes. So, I mean, just seeing those two down and then seeing them fall this far, it's certainly alarming. And that should be setting off some red flags for their front office that, you know, we cannot be a one or two man show. And then as far as the Niners go, I'm dying for them to start Trey Lance. I really am. I feel like this is a point in the season for them. They're six and five. Yes, they could contend for playoff positioning. But with their upcoming schedule, I feel like, you know, well, see what the new kid can do. Try to get some changes going because there's no way they're keeping Jimmy G as their quarterback in the future. You know what the funny thing is? It's not a horrible idea because look at it like this. Where is this Niners team going? They're going to make the they're going to be the seventh seed and get nuked by the second seed in the NFC, which is going to probably the Packers or Cardinals like. Exactly. If, if, if that's your ceiling is, you know, let's make the playoffs and have one cool game on the road. I don't think you should probably be buying for the playoffs, especially when if you look at the look at the bottom of the NFC, it's Seahawks, Lions, and that's it for the top. Like in terms of the two worst, because after that, like Bears and Giants are four and seven. So they're even still, you know, kind of in that range of like everybody's muddled within one game plus or minus a 500. So if you're the Niners, wouldn't you want to like zig where everyone zags where it's like, hey, let let the Falcons who are five and six and have no future take our spot. Let the Vikings who 
have sucked all year and look like a great team one week and a horrible team the next. Let them take it. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think it's a horrible strategy. That's why I'm rooting. Honestly, if New Orleans went five and twelve, that is my ideal end of the yeah, season. If you're in New Orleans, why would you want to be like you know seven and eleven when you could be like just lose out? I, I know it sucks to bottom out, but like, what do you have to gain from winning a couple extra games? Like, you're in, you're incentivized. Yeah. And especially more. when we're talking about teams like the Niners, teams like the Saints, where you know both of them have very specific holes and multiple holes to fill in their roster, like you know. There are some teams where, while as much as I want to believe in any given Sunday, and I think that, you know, to, there is definitely some truth to that, the odds aren't looking in their favor for teams like this who are in this 500 range of actually going to the Super Bowl. And I feel like if you're in the playoffs and you're one of those teams that's just happy to be there, it's the wrong mindset. And while every team tells themselves that, you know, we're Super Bowl contenders because anything can happen, and it can, you know, at some point, you got to play the odds. You know, teams like, uh, like you said, Cardinals, Packers, Bucks. I would be shocked if it wasn't one of those three teams in the Super Bowl. And by one of those three teams, honestly, it's the Bucks for me because the Packers have been in this position every year for the past decade where we really believe in them. They're a great regular season team. And then they always make it to the NFC Championship and can't go any further. They can't yeah. win that one last game. Yeah, and I, ironically, real quick, because I said this last pod, but I want to repeat it again. A quietly Green Bay has actually had a very good season. If you look at their three losses. Green Bay always has a great season. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their three losses, besides last week, their two losses were the Aaron Rodgers COVID game where they have to start, uh, uh, what's, uh, I forget, the backup QB. Uh, it's not Trey Lance. Or, is it Trey Lance? Yeah. For Green Bay? For Green, for Green Bay, yeah. Talking Jordan Love. Or Jordan Love, thank you. It was that game. And then the week one fluke against your Saints where they scored three points and your Saints get a very good win that they made well. So it's like – That was a fun week. So it's like, yeah, there's a hypothetical here where it's like if Aaron Rodgers plays even that COVID game where, like, he doesn't test positive and there's not the vaccine shit, this team only has, you know, two losses and, you know, we're talking about them differently and they're kind of in the middle of the pack. And one more thing here is I think – uh, before we move on to kind of the next week, which I think is pr- very crucial, after the Rams at the five seed, these are your list of teams. And keep in mind, two of these teams need to make the playoffs, which is very, very scary. Uh, the Niners at six and five, who jumped yes. because of the win and because Seattle sucks, and it's kind of them and the Rams now and the Cardinals for that top three in the division. Washington, despite losing or despite having a horrible game last week, goes five and six and beats Seattle. So they're that last spot. Here are the rest of your teams. Vikings, oh, God. Falcons are somehow still in here. Your Saints, who have sucked all year and don't have an offense, are still five and six and have a chance. The Eagles, who were supposed to beat the Giants and didn't, but they have a very easy schedule. They're still in the race. And Carolina, who had a horrible, horrible game against the Dolphins, and they've got a bye this week, are somehow still five and seven and have a chance. That is a horrible, horrible list of teams to kind of pick from and be like, wow, I have to pick two of these to make it. <laughs> in, in, in order to really make us all as NFL fans feel better about it, we're going to need a team that catches fire late. Like, and it might me, be, it if, might if be if Washington. I'm at, if I'm looking at this team and going, you know, if there's a six or seven seed that like I'm rooting for here, for me, it's Philly Philly. Uh, yeah. And the reason why is talking about their schedule here, because they have the jets on the road uh, of this upcoming Sunday. And then after that, Every game they play is a divisional game. Oh my so god! Like, it takes it takes winning three or four for them, and you know they're talking. They're knocking on the door with the Cowboys. Like they're up there in even a division race. Like in the fact that Devonta Smith has been named Offensive Rookie of the Month, a couple of people have given him Offensive Player of the Month. He's starting to really find his groove where he didn't at the start of the season, which is to be expected of you know, rookies at skill positions like that. Uh, Jalen Hurts has been surprisingly consistent. You know, the fact that his dual threat ability always gives them that multidimensional factor to their offense. And while they've also had, you know, their fair share of uh, injury issues and having a running back committee and all this, somehow things have seemed to flow not great, but okay. You know, they have some like landmark wins. They have a 17 point win over the Broncos that, you know, stomped the Cowboys by 16. Uh, they beat my Saints 40 to 29. And while I'm not worried about the defense there, it's that Eagles offense putting up 40 against 
a Saints defense that I still believe in my heart is a pretty damn good defense. You know, they have they absolutely trounced the Lions, where teams like the Rams, who were these Super Bowl favorites, have struggled to keep up. So they kept it close with the Bucks, only losing by six points. You know, their their schedule has been tough. So I kind of like the Eagles to be like my NFC Colts, where they're the team that finds their groove, catches fire late. Well, and they also could be a fun team too. Like I'd rather have the Eagles than the Niners, where the Niners, it's like, hey, they're a dud. They're Garoppolo's nothing special. We know what they are. And we know what they've been the past couple of years. The other team, I mean, as much as we like to shit on them, I kind of like Minnesota in that spot because here's why. Look at the games that they've played and look at their losses. If you go back to the very, very beginning of this year, it is a overtime loss to a 7-4 Bengals team. Pre- pretty solid there. The uh, A one-point loss to the Cardinals, and this is the 9-2 and two Cardinals. Yes. The uh, a seven point loss to the Browns when they were all healthy, and we thought the Browns could be a sneaky division winner in that tough AFC North. Uh, a four point loss to the Cowboys, a overtime three point loss to the Ravens, a uh, and then an eight point loss to the the Niners. These are very close losses, especially against teams that were very very good at the beginning of the year heading into this week where they have a slightly easy schedule. I kind of like the Vikings and similar to the Eagles, they get to play the bears twice and they got a lions game. So they have, and they even get to play the Steelers too. So other than that Packers Rams game, the rest of their games are very, very easy. They could also be a team that catches fire and goes, you know, nine and eight, 10 and seven, and could be like the sixth seed. That would not surprise me either. Cause they have a good team and Kirk Cousins actually has been pretty consistent as well. So they're kind of my team to watch. I want to hear your thoughts though. Minnesota stock. Well, yeah, I certainly like the talent on that offense. And then that defense has always been, I mean, Mike Zimmer is a defensive minded head coach. He always will be the defense with teams with defensive minded head coaches always have a higher floor where it's like, you know, they are not they are, The Vikings will never be a big worst defense. They just won't. But my problem with the Vikings is you're talking about, you know, these losses where they kept it close. They have one win by more than one score. So I don't think the issue is, oh, they're playing these teams close. And, you know, sometimes it's just yeah. they can't get it. They just they're so close, but they can't get it done, done against good teams. Thing is, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They either they can play up to an opponent or they play down to their opponent. So I think as far as like the rest of their regular season goes, you know, they've got teams like struggling Steelers coming up. They have Detroit coming up, who I feel like once again, they're going to play them close. They only beat Detroit by two points. This was a team we were all making fun of and still are all making fun of. So, <laughs> and, and we'll be making fun of <laughs> that game's probably going to be close. Steelers will be close. Bears, Rams, they could play up to them. Packers, I feel like that's a, probably going to be their only like blowout loss. And then the Bears again. I feel like with this team, you know, you can't, they're so hard to call because they like either play up or play down. But that's not the kind of team that I think inspire as much confidence in the playoffs where you're like no matter yeah. what that is the downside of this team I will admit is that it's like wait like out of all these close losses you couldn't win one of these games like they don't have a statement win where they establish an identity you know they just every every win they squeak by you know yeah, even, even the Packers even games. the Packers win it was a bit fluky because the, the Packers could have won that game easily and they still like gave up 31 points and had to like dogfight toward the end so I again I agree with you there if it's not I agree also the Eagles are pretty good for me I I really don't want these other teams to be there like Washington sucks the Niners aren't good I if the Falcons somehow make it despite everything that's happened this year that'll be shocking as hell and it's so probable too that's a thing it would be the one and only time I ever tip my cap to the Atlanta Falcons like how how will they make it with all these struggles this year and like Matt Ryan is still starting and it's like, and the yeah, hasn't the been day, great. Like, they're not, they're not a, they're not a great team on paper. You know, I've never been a fan of their coaching staff, even, you know, going back, going back to Dan Quinn. I wasn't a fan of him. Oh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not a fan of Arthur Blank, who's in charge of their front office. Like it's just top to bottom. There's nothing that inspires me about this Falcons team as even a playoff team. And there hasn't been since they made it and then blew the 28 to three lead. So, you know, if they do, I'd be shocked. I think the more likely candidate is uh, if you have Chuba Hubbard working with Amir Abdullah and they somehow they can replace that CMC production. Uh, and, you know, they first off establish themselves at quarterback, which would be tough for Carolina. But 
you know, Cam Newton plays well, finds his identity, and somehow it things just click on offense because you're talking he, about the well, defense he is earlier. back, so you know you got to be I, ready to go. I like I like Carolina's defense. They are pretty consistent, you know, and they can they have the they have big playability, which is what you know. Where at any given point you think they could force a fumble or get an interception, and that's something that I always love in a defense. So if they just if somehow CMC going down finds them some sort of offensive rhythm yeah maybe carolina gets hot late they could squeak in nine and eight because honestly with the way the dnfc is going even eight and nine might be good enough for a seven seed because as i said before the nfc as a whole has been kind of underwhelming so they're a team to kind of look for but i'm expecting one team to come out of the nfc south and they're going to be at the top uh, great takes there. Before we end today's pod, let's move on to the uh, next week's game because there's a lot of big ones here. I think the, the key one is definitely tonight as we're recording this because this will come out tomorrow. But Cowboys-Saints is a pretty big game. You got a Saints team that's looking to – your Saints trying to kind of make it back into this playoff picture with this, you know, if pack this, of NFC team. They, on paper, it's a good game. But, yeah. I mean, when we talk about the injury bug in a way, uh, Cowboys are getting healthy at the right time. Saints are not getting healthy at the wrong time where – this one stars align. I can't see the Cowboys winning this game by less than two scores. Like well, to I me, guess. this is every bit of a Cowboys like quote unquote statement win. But because this offense is just anemic, it's awful. The fact that they're gonna be playing without an entire starting offensive line, without starting running back, starting wide receiver, starting quarterback, like it's Saints backups going in against a Cowboys defense that finally not only has big playability from like we saw Trayvon Diggs, who's exploded, but Michael Parsons has been great. I mean, if he doesn't win defensive rookie of the year, I'm shocked. You know, finally their front seven consistently can generate pressure. Like I, I can never take an anemic offense against a burgeoning defense. Like that, that defense wins 10 times out of 10. So that game to me should be pretty cut and dry. It's a stepping stone for the Cowboys. The only reason I have it as a star game to watch out for is if you look at the top five uh, in the NFC, Cardinals play the Bears. I think we think it's a pretty easy win for Arizona. Green Bay has a bye. Uh, the Bucks play the Falcons. So, again, the Falcons, like, dud. And the uh, Rams play the Jaguars. So, out of all those teams, you can argue the, the Saints. So, the, the, the Cowboys need this win to keep pace. Well, and also the, the, Saints, the Saints are arguably the hardest team out of all those other groups that, uh, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's probably the hardest game of the week with all those top five. So you got to keep that in mind, too. It's at Do least- you underestimate how little faith I have in the Saints anymore? And again, maybe it's just because I'm a bitter and disgruntled fan, but this is not the same New Orleans Saints we're talking about even before week one, especially after week one, after they bludgeoned the Packers and Jameis looked phenomenal. Like this just is not the same team on paper and on the field. So I honestly, the weird thing about this week, not too many, all the games are either very, very, very important or absolutely just like whatever, like Eagles, Jets, it's a wash, Niner Seahawks, it's a wash, different games like that. But there's four more games that stand out to me that are crucial for this season. Uh, I'm starting off with Chargers Bengals. You have these two teams that are in the middle of the AFC playoff hunt, both currently in the playoff picture. And two young QBs at the helm here kind of vying for debuts uh, for their postseason careers. It's a pretty important yeah. matchup considering also as, the divisions they're in, too. As far as this game goes, again, looking at the results of last week game, like for the Chargers, this is a bounce back for them. Keep it competitive in the AFC West, which has turned into probably the most competitive division in football right now, like amongst themselves. And then the Bengals, who absolutely bloodied the Steelers, on the, especially on the ground, Joe Mixon, two touchdowns, 165 yards, got me multiple fantasy wins. But so for the Bengals, I feel like if they can put like a serious statement win the same kind of way they did against the Steelers, get a multi-score win here against the Chargers, there's not a doubt in my mind they're a wild card team. Because that, like, to me, that's showing like, yeah, they figured out, they put it together. And meanwhile, the Chargers need this in order to keep it interesting and keep expectations of them where they are because they came in with relatively high expectations given the youth and inexperience of the squad the other uh game that starts me it was actually a pair of games they have a very similar narrative but i've got raiders uh washington football team and then uh 
uh, Ravens Steelers, or sorry, uh, Raiders and Washington football team, and then Ravens yes. Steelers. Because you have similar situations with both games. It's kind of a lot of teams that are on the outside of the bubble, minus the Ravens. A lot of question marks with all these teams, definitely for sure, like Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. Or what are the Steelers really down the road a couple weeks from now? Ditto for, you know, the Raiders had the whole John Gruden thing and they've quietly still been a decent team and they're coming off a good Thanksgiving win. What does this look like? Yeah. Washington has a lot of red flags and yet they somehow still win these games with Heineke at the helm and a, and a decent defense. There's a lot to unpack here with some of these, you know, outside looking in teams. Now for talking about Ravens Steelers, uh, the Ravens definitely, I mean, I feel like despite them only being ahead, by a game against the Bengals. I feel like they have this division pretty well in hand, especially down the stretch. I would be quite surprised if they didn't end up winning the division crown. So this game is just, you know, it's kind of a comfort for them. They need to establish themselves as the AFC North champions going forward, you know? So winning against the Steelers would definitely do that. But like, I mean, this entire, the Steelers team, I mean, the Steelers have always been big fans of drama ever, you know, since we're talking Antonio Brown and that whole multi-year saga. But the fact that Sports Center this week has been dominated by Mike Tomlin, you know, getting petty with Chase Claypool over if they can play music at practice. It's just this team is kind of the same it's been for the past couple of years. I see them underperforming despite a great defense on paper that, again, underperforms because they can't consistently generate pressure on a quarterback. And, you know, an offense that, at times seems dysfunctional headed by a quarterback who should have retired probably three years ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> the Steelers to me mean nothing. You know, their record is shows them like in the hunt and yeah, they've been consistently in the hunt for the past couple of years. But I mean, with this current regime, like this Roethlisberger, Tom Wynn headed era, it's not going to reward Steelers fans with anything else. Like it's, it's time for culture change. It's time for, you know, I we even call for new leadership, honestly. Like I feel like, you know, Tom may have maybe starting to overstay his welcome. So the Steelers to me, it just is what it is. The Ravens need to win this game. Because like, if they lose this game, that's where the serious question marks around them start. And like this whole narrative have people figured out Lamar, which I think he's proven that they haven't. But, you know, if they can actually be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, which I would love to see, but that starts with this game because they cannot lose this game. It's not about winning for them. It's about not losing. And then there's two big games I want to finish off with because it's ironically, they're the last two games of the week and they're somehow the two most important by far and away. Oh yeah. Yeah. Broncos, Broncos Chiefs Sunday night football, where the Chiefs, if they win, get an extra game ahead of all of those teams in their division. And they look much better on paper compared to their predecessors of the past couple of weeks. And if the Broncos win, they're tying with the division and they, they win it because of a tiebreaker. And they have an extra game over that Steelers Chargers group that's like five through 10 seed. This is a big, big game, maybe not for who we think will win the Super Bowl, but for playoff scene, they're like, holy shit, this is like a this is like the Broncos Super Bowl, low key, yeah. just trying to win this game. <laughs> if you were to tell me before week one that we're going to get Teddy Bridgewater versus Patrick Mahomes on primetime television and not be able to pick a winner with confidence, I think you're crazy. But that's honestly, this is one thing I love about football because nobody knows everything. At the end of the day, we're going to sit here and say that we have all the answers. And then there are teams like Denver that just yeah, pop up. How is Denver? Denver quietly is six and five with all of this shit going on. They're having an above 500 record despite and all of the crap. <laughs> the thing that I like about like, they're six and five versus like I was talking about like the Chargers six and five or some of these other squads that we mentioned earlier in the podcast is they have statement wins and they have more than one. So to me, this is what I would call an any given Sunday team where, yeah, on paper, they're not, they're not better than Kansas city. Like more often than not, like you take Kansas city, they're going to be the favorites in this game, but like they've shown that, you know, randomly at any given point, they can pop. And, you know, it's a team where stars align and it's not a team like Houston or Detroit or New York where, like, we're laughing at them like, okay, yeah, technically you can win a game, but, like, no, you're not beating them. The Broncos? Oh, yeah, I could totally see this being a Broncos win. I wouldn't bet on it, but I can see it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good game. And then, of course, we get to the most important game 
of arguably maybe the season, given how th- both these teams have looked, Patriots and Steelers on Monday Night Football, where you Patriots have this Bills. Bills team that need – the Bills have not had one signature win all year because you bring that up a lot. This team has had no signature wins all year. And here comes this on-fire Patriots team that has not lost in, what, five or six weeks. And if there's any time to beat them, it's at home with a quarterback that knows – or a, a coach that knows how to play the Patriots and Bill Belichick – with Josh Allen needing a, a signature moment this season to prove that this team is a contender. Cause I'm going to make the case right now. If Buffalo loses this game, I don't think they are, we can call them Super Bowl contenders anymore. And I think if new England lose this game, at least it shows signs that they are vulnerable by far and away. And this is a good way to end the pod. This is the most important yeah. game of this week for sure. The thing that I love about these two teams is just how well they mirror each other. So we start obviously with two head coaches, usually more defensive minded, but pretty well balanced that know each other well and know how to play each other. And then outside of that, we have a quarterback on one side that's all of a sudden a contender for offensive rookie of the year. People are asking themselves, can he be our golden child versus a quarterback this year that has performed well, but like you're saying, doesn't really have statement wins or with the way that just other players around him have popped up people are asking ourselves can he still be our golden child like is can josh allen really be the face of the league like obviously he's the buffalo bills franchise quarterback but is he like the guy you know as far as the entire nfl is concerned and then we have two teams with consistently good defenses where i you know i would love for this game to turn out to be a defensive battle meanwhile there are offenses on the other hand that play the same kind of way they you know rotate in running backs really well multiple pass catching running backs uh you know solid wide receiver course uh obviously i'm giving the edge to buffalo there because they're a superstar and i mean the patriots best receiver on paper it's either nelson aguilar or kendrick Bourne, depending on the day but that's kind of what i like about this patriots team at receiver where you know they have great you know whole bunch of wide receiver twos but you know versus a team that puts out one wide receiver one and a couple wide receiver fours so you know this fact that they have this balanced offense more defensive team like they're both constructed relatively similarly so you know it's really a game of who's better like they're not it's not like you can have the oh it's because it's a patriots defense something gives them the edge i don't really see either team having a massive enough edge that can help us accurately pick this game well, we're going to have to be on the lookout for that game. But, Austin, a great pot as always and an important week of NFL coverage that we desperately needed to uh, get our hands on. Thank you so much for joining the pod. Of course. Anytime. You know where to find me.